Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, throws on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up with it. That's intercepted. At the 40. Derrick Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's good. Derrick Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Today, over the next hour or so, we are going to be breaking down everything that went wrong in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' 25-11 loss over the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. Now... Never feels good to say we told you so. So we're not going to take a victory lap for the people who said we were far too negative last week about this game. Um, But realistically, there's not a lot of good to take away from this game. I I think, you know, the truth of the matter is the the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender and the Bucs are not. We knew that coming into this game. Now, the question was going to be how close are the Bucs going to keep this game for the first half? Looked pretty good, but uh, we'll obviously get into the specifics of what went wrong, but ultimately I think relying on the defense as much as they had to in the second half of that game was the downfall for Tampa Bay and on top of that just complete domination by Philly on both sides of the ball in the trenches the offensive line and the defensive line of Tampa Bay that was the biggest margin of of difference between them and the Eagles I guess like it, it looked like a JV team at times going out there trying to play you know the state champions so before we get into it, Evan, first and foremost, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, you know, not uh, I'm doing better than the Buccaneers offense. Um, but mm. you know, we'll get into all of it, but yeah, you're right. I mean, and we talked about that on the preview show. You know, I said basically I think this game is going to be you know, who plays better in the trenches. And if you looked on paper, the Eagles had them beat. Like it just on, on paper the Eagles had them beat. So I thought it was going to be a tough game, and it was definitely tough. And there were some times where DeAndre Swift was running through wide open lanes and Jalen Hurts had all day to throw. It didn't even matter when the Bucs even blitzed. It didn't matter. Like the, the Bucs sent a few blitzes and they didn't even come close to getting there. I think the only sack they had was when Hurts tripped uh, on, on that goal line. That was the only sack they had. Now they got close a few times. I know there's some people who are going to complain about a holds and stuff like that. I, I, I get it for sure. But like that wasn't like... 
calling a holding here or there isn't going to determine the outcome of that game. I think the outcome of that game was going to be the same either way, just because the talent and the disparity, I think that was the word you're kind of looking for uh, along the trenches there between these two teams was, it was just too far. It was too big of a gap. And the Bucks also were never going to win if they weren't going to be able to run the football at all, which Philly's defense is notorious for stopping. So you talk about the Philly offensive line too. I mean, you could drive a Ford F three fifty through some of the run lanes that were created yeah. Uh, on Monday, night. I I could probably gain a few yards. Right. So w- when you tally everything up, 472 total yards for the Eagles, as opposed to Tampa Bay's 174. A 298 yard disparity between these two teams. I think that was the wrong word, but uh, 298 yards that the Eagles outgained the Bucks, and that is the biggest difference that they have had in offensive production since 2008, 15 years. Uh, so it took them 10 years to beat the Bucks, but when they finally do it, they they run a track meet on them. So let's talk about what went wrong with Tampa Bay first and foremost. I, I wanted to talk about the run game really before we talk about anything else because we talk about complete and utter domination in the trenches. I think another thing that failed Tampa Bay, you know, that first half, you could clearly tell they were committed to the run. You wanted to see Rashad White go out there and get some carries, and he did uh, to the tune of two point something yards per carry yet again. And unfortunately, you know, we talked about the lack of experience, the lack of a true run game that the Bucks have for themselves. You know, against uh, against lesser teams, they have established that they can run the ball with Rashad White. And I do think he's going to continue and prove. I don't I, I don't want people to come on here and think that I'm saying Rashad White isn't the guy. But week three of the season against a, a one of the best defenses in the NFL, the number one run defense in the NFL through three weeks of football, uh, it, it was a big weakness for the Bucs. And ultimately, it left the offense with just no juice. You know, it, it really didn't feel like they were able to get anything going at all until they started throwing the football. You know, late in the game, we saw that one urgent drive where they went down the field in, in three and a half minutes and it ended up, ended up with the Mike Evans touchdown. But aside from that, there really wasn't any kind of rhythm at all to this offense at all. And uh, do we look at Dave Canales as a rookie play caller going up against this formidable Eagles defense as well? You know, uh, the safety. That was a play call that I think Dave Canales is obviously going to hold, uh, hold himself accountable for as well as the fans. But on the offensive side of the ball, the run game struggles being one thing. What else did you notice went wrong? Yeah, you know, you talk about, you know, commitment to run game and stuff, and um, they definitely tried. And look, the the Bucks, it, the game was, was close. Um, you know, the Eagles kicked the field goal right before halftime to make it a two-score game, but it was a one-score game for most of the first half. Like, most of the first half was either Eagles were up 3 nothing or it was tied 3-3, Eagles went up 10-3. Like, so I, I kind of still get it. However, what if I would have told you that the Eagles would be up, I don't know, probably 80% of the game pretty much, right? 85% of the game, the Eagles would have the lead, yet Baker Mayfield would only throw the ball 25 times. That, to me, shows, yeah, that, like, you're too committed to the run. Like, you're too committed. Rashad White had 14 carries, 38 yards, 2.7 yards per average. It wasn't working. Like, just 
go away from it. I understand you want to, okay, commitment to the run and it helps the offense and this and that. If it's not working, though, you got to do something else. And they just simply didn't do that. And you're playing it to the Eagles' strength. And not only did you play to the Eagles' strength by running, you really played it to their strength by running right up the middle where Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, all those guys are going to be right up the middle. Didn't try any, any wide zone runs. Didn't try and do anything to the outside. Everything was designed right up the gut. And you're just, you're not going to beat Philly that way. It's just, it's not going to happen. And they, it's not even like, yeah, they got past, you know, like for, for, uh, like a pass happy thing either, because like I said, he only threw the ball 25 times. So, we we've talked about how okay this run game is going to be a work in progress. It's going to take time. This and that. This and that. I do believe that still, but I come away after three games of still being just completely unimpressed by this run by this run offense. Like just like even against Chicago, I didn't even think they had that many yards. So here's here's a few stats here. Okay, so last year the Buccaneers right terrible. Ter- Terrible running team, right? Terrible run running team. Couldn't run the ball. They averaged three point four yards per carry last year, right? That 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 was the that was the the season, right? The season average averaged three point four yards per carry. This season they're averaging two point eight. So <laughs> you're not going in the right direction. Do I think it will get better? Yes, because it can't get much worse. But I mean, you're talking about they they had one rushing first down. All night until like the they no they had zero until like the fourth quarter where where Rashad White ran for a first down the the running game is just it is atrocious and the past two years it has been atrocious and if the Bucks continue to run the ball like this it's not going to matter because like the offense just it's not going to ever be productive enough unless the defense is taking the ball away consistently and putting them in good spots it's not going to matter against these good teams you can get away with that against the Chicago Bears. You're not going to get away with that against the Eagles. You probably, honestly, if you run the ball like that again next week, you may not get away with it against the Saints. Like, you're not going to get away with it in the Bills in a few weeks. You're not going to get away with it against the 49ers. Like, it's just, it's not going to work. You're going to get killed. So, like, it it has to be better. Like, it it just simply, the players got to execute. You know, the players, and I've talked about that last year with Byron Leftwich. I said, not all the blame's on Leftwich. Yeah, he was bad, but the players also are the ones. Leftwich ain't going out there blocking for him and running the ball. The players have to do that. But at the same time, you can put them in better positions, and I don't think the Buccaneers' offensive coaching staff did that at all on Monday night. So we know that between Rashad White and Sean Tucker, it's not going to be enough. Uh, Against better run defenses, it is not going to be enough. It's just not. So with that being said, the Bucs are now in a situation, what do they find themselves doing? Do you look for more outward talent? Because clearly Keyshawn Vaughn is not going to be factored into the run game at this time of the year. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, literally, he, he, he was active and, and didn't play a snap on offense. So. Yeah, so I, I don't know how much, you know, he's going to factor into their plans. But when you look at the lay of the land, when you look at free agent running backs or just potentially guys sitting out there who could be extra reinforcements in a rotation that is missing Chase Edmonds for the next couple of weeks... The Bucs have made it clear that they are confident with that running back room going forward, but are they confident enough to wait for Edmonds to come back from injured reserve uh, two, three weeks from now? Or do you think this is a more pressing issue that they're going to look into and say, hey, maybe we maybe we do actually need some help back there instead of just relying on young talent? Because again, a, a veteran in that running back rotation takes away snaps from Rashad White. But if he's only getting 14 carries for 38 yards, then maybe he doesn't need all those carries. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of a two-way street. But how do you see it? 
Right, and I, and I am starting to be more down on Rashad White a little bit. I was never, like, completely sold. thought he could be a good running back. The more I watch him, I'm like, this looks like an average to below average running back. Like, he just doesn't doesn't really do it for me. He hasn't settled um, in yet. He has not settled in yet. He He's not... Yeah. He's not done nervous running. You know what I'm saying? And and I feel like that happens a lot with just inexperienced running backs. It's just he's thinking too hard back there. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. But I will say I I don't think they will uh, add a veteran because I think that they like Rashad Way. And I think look like okay, give him the season. Like uh, that that's fine. It's a running back. It's not like you know we talk about running backs like they're replaceable like you, you can find another starter running back next offseason if you wanted to uh so especially with the bye week coming up i think given chase edmonds that right i think it'd be okay you wouldn't miss you know that probably two games at three at most um so i i don't think it's that big of a deal uh but i i wouldn't expect them to add at a veteran because i think they want to see what they have rashad white it's just early returns are Probably not what they were hoping for. And that's it's a long season. Um, but right now it does look like maybe running back would be on the list of needs for the Buccaneers in the offseason. And just to get this out of the way, because I've seen it a lot, like more than I should have. Like one, they're not trading for Jonathan Taylor. And two, if they traded for Jonathan Taylor, it wouldn't matter because Jonathan Taylor isn't going to do much either. Would he help? Yeah, because he's a better running back than Rashad White is. Like he would make it look a little better, but it's not going to be too much better because this offensive line just isn't doing its job in the in the run game either. So it's a combination of both, and I think they got to get it worked out here. Yeah, and we also said the situation the Bucks are in is a lot different this year. We talked about this a lot before the season, as far as developing talent and what that's going to look like on this Bucks team compared to the teams of the last few years. The Bucs are in a situation now where clearly the run game isn't enough, right? But they're not going to be as hungry to go after a free agent veteran or trade for somebody or anything of that nature like they have in previous seasons. One, just because you want to see what this kid is made of. Two, because they don't really have the money. And three, you're just not a Super Bowl contender. So, like, nobody's vying to come here anymore. You know, that's the thing, too, is that uh, Leonard Fournette is sitting at home for a reason. For a reason, but he Week certainly four. doesn't want to play in Tampa. You know, it, yeah. like like I don't know if the Bucks would take him back at this point, but he oh, certainly no. does not want to be here. If the Bucks try to sign him to a contract tomorrow, I don't think he comes back. No, and and that's just a really really quick thing before we move on because we got a lot of other stuff to talk about, not just the run game. That wasn't the sole reason, but um there, it's week 4 in the NFL. Leonard Fournette does not have a contract with any NFL team. I think he's worked out for one team or two. There's a reason <laughs> like, like there is a reason. So people saying, oh, bring Leonard Fournette back. There's a reason he's still available. Like there is a reason like these NFL teams are smarter than we are. They know more than we do. There's a reason that he's still available. Could he get picked up at some point? Yeah, it won't be by the bus. There's a reason that on September 26th, after three weeks of football, that guy's still available. The, the Bucks cut him before free agency ends up. So he went through the whole free agency period, the whole draft, the whole training camp, and nobody signed him. There's a reason. Sorry. No, it's okay. Lenny Twitter fingers uh, still jobless after week four. So we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. Let's talk a little bit more about the ineffectiveness of the offense. And we can obviously transition this into the talk of the defense because 
I mean, the two go hand in hand. You know, the lack of offense last night really let the Bucks defense down. And we saw that time and time again in 2022. When you have an offense who simply cannot get the job done when they have ample opportunity to do so, it's hard to blame the defense. Big interception from Devin White, who was playing through a groin injury. People seem to nitpick him running out of bounds. But again, he was gutting it out just by being out there in the first place from what we heard uh, from head coach Todd Bowles. Baker Mayfield, 15 for 25, 146 yards, one touchdown, his first interception of the season. Some other turnovers from the Bucks as well. A Rashad White fumble on the peanut punch leads to a turnover. So we can talk about the passing game. I mean, there isn't much to say. You know, the lack of run game tells the whole story, I think. But Mike Evans, only five receptions for 60 yards. Chris Godwin, three catches for 32. Rashad White, Three catches for 24 yards. I know you said you wanted to move on from the running backs. But one last thing I want to say, just about the usage of the running backs. Before the year, and I've seen more than one person say this, before the year, Rashad White was touted to us as a pass-catching, shiftier option than what the Bucks had at running back the year before in Leonard Fournette. So why, oh why, when he gets the football, does he just go right up the A-gap and he's only getting how many targets did he get last night? Three catches for thirty-two, or uh, yeah, three catches for twenty-four. On I don't know how many targets he had, but why does he not feel like more of a dynamic piece in this offense so far? Do you think it's going to take some time to really see him hit his stride as far as that is concerned, or are they just literally like not using him correctly here? Might be a little harsh, but maybe he's just not that dynamic of a player, like. It it could be it could be the case like it, it could be like he's just not like he's just not uh, he's a fine player but he's just not that dynamic player that a lot of people were hoping and, and were thinking he was would be it, it's possible like it it, re- it really is possible so um, I, I think they should get them running backs more involved in the passing game I I'm surprised we haven't seen that much but uh, yeah I, I did want to talk about the, the pass game a little bit uh, G Vegas mentioned it uh, Godwin uh, I think Chris Godwin's the key to all this I the usage of him is infuriating to me. I just, I, I don't understand it. He's like barely a part of the offense. It's basically the Bucks offense is how many big plays can Baker Mayfield get to Mike Evans? That's it. And if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work last week, they could lose that game against the Bears. Take away the the three, the touchdown, the 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 Mike Evans, the the big seventy yarder, and then that one twenty eight yarder. Take away those three, they might lose the game. Like, to take away the touchdown right before the half against Minnesota, they might lose the game. I mean, like that, that's what the Bucks' offense is. And just Mike Evans also, though, you want the money. Don't have three drops. No, you're and, right. And one of those being you know, a touchdown. Yeah, like, I, I, I think you should be paid. But the money you want, those players catch the, those balls. You know, they don't drop them. And then, you know, and I'm, he, he made a great one-handed catch, and then he got the touchdown anyway, but the game didn't matter that by that point. Like, the game w- was done. So, like, when it counted and when it really mattered, you came up a little short. So, like, if you want that money, you're going to have to figure out a way to do that. And you you need to make those catches. Like, and that's, you know, that that's that, that's the thing. But Mayfield's interception, bad read, late read, just got, you know, no pun intended. Reed Blankenship picked it off, but uh, just too slow on it. Um, just had Godwin open, 
should have hit him right away, didn't. Timing, the offensive rhythm and timing felt off. And there were times it felt it felt right, and then sort of as the game started to unravel a little bit, the timing really went. And just, um, hey, yeah, like you said, they only threw the ball 25 times. So you can't, like, sit here and say, oh, there were so many passes. Uh, I thought Mayfield was fine. I don't think he was bad, per se. He could have been much um, worse. No, yeah, he could have been much worse. Could have been much better. Um, there was a, there was a few things I think he missed, but it is what it is. Like this offense just needs to be better. It sim- simply put, it has to be better. And I'm curious to see now how are they going to bounce back from that? Right, things were going so well. Oh, they don't have any turnovers. Oh, this and that. Like oh, they're protecting the football so well, and then they had two turnovers on three plays. You know, and and this and that. Oh man, Mike Evans is doing so great, and he has three drops. And Baker Mayfield's doing this, and he kind of struggles. And like Dave Canales is p- cooking up this and cooking up that, and then the Bucks' the offense is struggling, you know, with play calling and stuff. I'm curious to see how they're going to respond to that and how they're going to go about it now that the loss is under the books. Because guess what? Now opposing defenses have seen that, and they're going to be doing the same exact thing. Like they're going to try and attack you the same exact way. So I I am curious to see that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how just leaving points out on the field against better competition in the NFL just isn't going to fly. And if, you know, let's say Mike Evans doesn't have that drop in the end zone early in the game, potentially a one score game down the stretch, you know, because the Bucs only lost by 14 points. Scorigami, by the way, a low scoring scorigami in the NFL, but a rare sight nonetheless, 25 to 11, the final score. But the final verdict on the Buccaneers offense and Rashad White on Monday Night Football. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. All right. Let's talk about the defense. And unfortunately for the Bucs defense, you know, where I thought they were going to be at the start of this game and even throughout the first half was was kind of ahead of schedule. I mean, you're going to tell me the Eagles scored 25 points going one for five in the red zone? Like, the, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due because there were a couple of good stops. Uh, I do think one one of those five though was at the end of the game, so okay. basically one one for four, I think. All right. Well, there were some good stops early on in the game as well. It kept it a competitive game in that first half, but as we had mentioned before, just like the 2022 season wore them down. They were gassed. You know, Devin White playing through injury, a couple of other guys out there rotating in and out. Jamel Dean getting uh getting leaving the game with an injury, not coming back. Carlton Davis obviously announced he's not going to be playing a couple hours before kickoff. So the Bucs go in shorthanded and the defense still plays well enough to keep it a close enough game for the offense to do something. God, anything. And uh, unfortunately, it couldn't happen. Now, I'm not going to give all the roses to the defense because as we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, the pass rush was just non-existent. Um, you did get one sack on Jalen Hurts, which was, of course, that that, you know, the, the QB fake mishap where he just tripped and fell. They tried to get a little too cute with the play design. But other than that, I mean, Jalen Hurts did not feel the pressure at all. He had all the time in the world. And again, going back to the run defense, we mentioned before how you could drive a damn truck through some of those run lanes. Uh, so pretty interesting position for the Bucks defense to find themselves in. But that defensive line, that pass rush, something we talked about on the game preview definitely has to get better moving forward. We do have our first caller of the show, someone from the 626 calling in. Caller, you're on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Where are you calling in from? Uh, 
Uh, good evening, fellas. It's Richard T. from L.A. Richard T. hanging out with us on the West Coast. What's up, buddy? Good to hear from you again. Ah, uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, glad, to, glad to call in. Thanks for taking the call. Um, man, rough night at the office last night, huh? Yeah, quite the understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we've seen worse. You know, we've seen worse. It it doesn't quite feel as demoralizing as like a 38 to 3 kind of loss, but when you look at a team that by the second half just it just didn't look like they had any gas left in the tank, you know, it felt like everybody wanted to just kind of get out of there. Like it was even one of the even one of the longer games I felt like I've been to. Maybe it was just all the noise of the Philly fans around me, but I mean, realistically, it was just a grog to get through. It certainly felt like a Monday kind of game. You know what I mean? Ah, terrible. Terrible to be in that situation. Um, you know, I, I got to say, I know, um, when I started calling in, you, you guys were just starting to talk about the defense, so I didn't get to hear much of that. But um, I, I felt like they, 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 they held their own against, a very formidable Eagles team whose offensive line is um, like the best in the league, right? To only hold them to two touchdowns and a few field goals, I thought was, I, I, I honestly feel that, that they played well enough to probably win that game. All, they, all we really needed was the offense to do their part, unfortunately. You, you, do you guys feel the same way on that? As far as the defense goes, I, I definitely co-sign. Like, even though that lack of pass rush was an issue, and it is something that's going to be going to have to be fixed moving forward, I definitely think the defense played well enough for the offense to be put in a position to potentially make that a closer game or even win it. Because, like you said, it was only a fourteen-point game when it was all said and done. If Mike Evans doesn't drop a touchdown, we're talking about a seven-point difference. And, you know, obviously some other miscues that need to be cleaned up. But I think the biggest reason this game has so much pressure on it and maybe we're quick to be critical after a loss like this is that when you look at the box and the trajectory they're on for the rest of the season, this is the biggest litmus test we're going to get early in the year to tell what kind of team they are. Because, you know, people can overrate a 2-0 team if they beat two really bad teams. And it, and it happens quickly. Obviously, fan bias is going to be one thing and uh, recency bias going to be another. But, you know, obviously the Bucks are still a building team. And I agree that they did do a good job in keeping this close because it could have been ugly. And I, I thought it was going to be worse. I, I thought they were going to put up over 30 points on us there at the end of the game. But... Yeah, I, I agree because they were slicing and dicing, moving yeah. the ball pretty easily. But it's a good um, comparison for where the, the Bucks 20. are now and where they aspire to be. And when you can kind of figure out the level of difference between where they are now to a Super Bowl contender, I think it gives you a much better idea of, of what exactly needs to be fixed. Because you fix those issues against the Eagles and make it a closer game, then you're potentially a team that could go out there and kick everybody else's ass. So it's like, like you said... You know, I do think it is a positive sign. And if people like looking for silver lining in losses like this, then let that be it. Because it is early in the season against a formidable team. Um, but I agree. I, I I think, you know, they did hold their own. But a lot of stuff that's got to be better. Evan, what, what do you think? I know I was kind of rambling there. 
Yeah, so I remember on the preview show, I said I thought it was going to be a lot like the the Ravens game uh, last year. And it reminded me um, when you guys were talking about, you know, the yards and stuff like that. And the one thing, I thought the defense did hold their own, okay, and, and hold their own to give the offense a chance. I don't think the defense played great, but I think they did enough to give the offense a chance where if the offense was a bit more productive, it's a different game, especially, you know, two turnovers. One of them was kind of, you know, the Eagles fall one. It was a great play by D Delaney, but um, the Eagles had 201 rushing yards. Okay. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that, that's simply too much. The Buccaneers had 41 rushing yards. Yes. The Buccaneers had 41 rushing yards. The reason I say that, is because against the Ravens last year, that Ravens game that I mentioned, the Ravens had 231 rushing yards and the Buccaneers had 44 rushing yards. So very close that I, I sort of said I thought it was going to be like the Ravens game where the Ravens are just going to gash the Bucks, and then the Eagles end up gashing the Bucks. So it's something, I guess, about birds that come down to Tampa on primetime games. It just doesn't really mix well. But um, I... I I thought the defense did fine, but you can see there's clear issues with one, the pass rush and two, the, the run defense against good offensive lines. They just, they don't have the horses in the trenches to be able to do this right now. And, uh, you know, now you're talking about the health of the corners and the entire offseason and training camp. All we talked about on this show and Mr. Bucks Nation and everywhere else um, was about the lack of ex- experience, right? Experience depth in the secondary. Well, now Jamel Dean is out. Carlton Davis has been out. Don't know about their status. You got Derek Pitts in there covering A.J. Brown. Like, that's the reality right now. And that was one of the things we said could wreck this season is if those two corners could be healthy. So hopefully they can be. Yeah, that was rough to watch. Um, A.J. Brown going five, ten-yard digs, does a sidestep. They just couldn't stop. Yeah, they couldn't stop. Completely missed the tackle. Yeah, and he goes off for another 15, 20, 25 yards. Yeah, and oh, and that was killing me. The ball control by Philly in the second half. You know, they were beating the Bucks like the Bucks beat those bad teams the first two weeks of the season. DeAndre Swift could not be stopped. I mean, <laughs> it was bad. There was a guy next to me who was so stoked because he had DeAndre Swift on his fantasy team this week and needed him to have a big game. So of course he goes out there and rips what like hundred and sixty plus yards on the ground, um, and a lot of that coming Something in the like second that. half. It just brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, Richard, your final thoughts on this Buccaneers defense and team moving forward before we let you go here. Uh, you know, okay, so a few things. So, A, I, I, I don't want to say I'm discouraged. Um, I, I think there's still a lot that the Bucks are going to build on and can still build on. Um, and, and let's just look. Dave Canales, it's his third game calling plays, right? He said in his introduction press conference, he's going to take his lumps. And like in the words of Smokey from Friday, he got knocked off. Fuck out. Right? So he's going to have to get up, brush himself off, get back to the drawing board and, and just hope it it can only be better. Right. And, and, And I feel like it will be better because I feel like We've seen it. We've seen it a little better compared to last year. At least a little bit more creativity. Um, run game is still not where it needs to be, but 
but at least we're we're being a little bit more patient with it. Well, that and then even the um, in-game adjustments that we have seen so far this season are a breath of fresh air compared to Byron Leftwich just getting complacent with how he wanted that offense to run. You know, Canales will go into a press conference and say, listen, it starts with me. This is what went wrong this week. This is what I messed up. So not only can he take accountability, but I have more faith in him as an offensive coordinator to to go back, look at the game film, and be like, all right, this didn't work, so we don't ever need to do this play ever again. You know, stuff like that, bringing new things to the table. And like you said, improving week in and week out. Like, I have faith that the Bucks still have a lot of areas that they can and will continue to improve over the course of the season. Yeah, I agree. Just, hey, Godwin, just give him more balls, man. Like, that will open things up. He's the second best wide receiver. Or how can I say this? He's like the best wide receiver two out there in the league who can be a wide receiver one in any other team. Yeah, I, I think. You're getting $20 million a year? $20 million a year. And you only get him the ball three times? Come on. We got to get him more involved. Yeah, we've seen how this offense runs uh, if and when it has to run through Chris Godwin. And maybe that's something that they're going to learn over the course of the season as well because it, it kind of takes me back down memory lane where we talk about the offense didn't move at all on Monday night unless it ran through Mike Evans. And we haven't said that in a very, very long time. 2022, it was like they had the opposite issue. So it'll be interesting to see. But Richard, we appreciate your call, buddy, as always. Thank you for listening all the way out there on the uh, on the West Coast. And go Bucks. Go Bucks. Thank you, guys. Thank Have you, a good bud. Week. We'll talk to you soon. Love our buddy Richard T. from the West Coast. Last chance for calls, 305-224-1968. And the meeting ID for this week on your screen is 813-1669-1551. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Evan, this is not the reason the Bucks lost, but what's your opinion on the tush push? Um, I don't have an issue with the play. Like, I, I really don't. I do think that it is closer to getting banned, though, than I think some people believe. Uh, just because I, I just it's getting too much attention, and I think the owners might get sick of it. And the 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 one thing that does help it is like other teams running it, and if they don't run it successfully, or like college teams that run it and don't run it successfully, you're like, well, okay, it, it see it doesn't work all the time. And the Bucks actually stopped it. Well, I actually think they stopped it more than once. There was a time where they gave the Eagles the first down, and I think the Bucks stopped it. But um, yeah, I, I think that helps, but I also think it's something that will probably, like three years from now, I don't know if that's going to be a, a legal play. But um yeah, I don't I don't have a huge deal with it. It, it kind of gives me the same energy as, you know, a couple of years ago when they outlawed the play where you can have a linebacker jump over the line of scrimmage to block the kick, right? It, where it was kind of like on the edge of, is this a competitive football play? Because that's the old school argument. You know, there is no competitive football play when it can't be stopped. That's what a lot of people say. For a lot of people who are in favor of the move, they say that if you want to stop it or if you don't want them to do it, then just prevent them from getting to the one yard line or just yeah. stop it. 
but it, it is it is an interesting thing that I that I that I witnessed because I know everybody has strong opinions about it, but watching it in person and watching them go what five for five on Monday night, I think with it, I, I think they, they did get stopped once by by the fourth or fifth time though. I, I was like, all right, I'm sick of seeing it. Like, I'm, I'm just so <laughs> done. Because how do you stop it? Like, seriously, yeah. like, I hate to sound like that guy. And I'm not as and I'm not as up in arms as, as a lot of other people because, again, this isn't the reason the Bucks lost the game. No. But how do you stop it? Like, when you've got right. a bodybuilder at quarterback, get right up under center, and then they usually have, what, two running backs behind him and then two more wide receivers two, come in. It's just two, two running backs and two tight ends. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a bus. It's like they put him in an armored vehicle to move him ahead three feet. And I mean, if it works, it works. You, you can't knock it. But I agree. I, I think it is going to be a, a just a matter of time before something like that is no longer yeah. in the NFL. But yeah. So, all right. We'll, we'll close out with this. And this isn't we'll get to the game preview. Um, probably only two shows this week since it's a short week. It's already Tuesday. Yeah. Normally we'd be doing our third show today. But um, so we, we'll talk about this on the game preview a lot, too. But like. The Bucks' next four games are at New Orleans uh, versus Detroit versus Atlanta and at Buffalo. That game versus New Orleans next week is just so important because one, it's a divisional game, first divisional game of the year. Um, but I mean, if you lose that game, you go two and two, right? Okay, and and we even said like two and two at the bye week. Like if you said that before the season, all right, you're feeling okay. Right, like, like you, you're feeling okay about it, but then you got Detroit, Atlanta, Buffalo, Atlanta. You still don't know exactly what they are, but they can run the ball, and their defense is better than it was last year. So things could get a little ugly if you lose this game. I think this game is just a, a huge deal uh, for for the Buccaneers, and I, I think they, they got to come out and win the game. Also, one last point by our buddy Daniel H. in chat. He brings this up, and, and I went on a little bit of a tangent to you before we started recording, so maybe this is a good thing to uh, you know to cap this thing off with, but would you admit that a majority of Bucks fans do not live in Florida, like not even a lot of Bucks fans in Florida alone? I know that's kind of a random thought, but you are correct. Not only do not a lot of Bucks fans live in Florida, everybody else's fans live here, and, and that leads me to my latest rant. <laughs> um... Personally, I don't know how bad it looked on TV, but I personally believe people might be overreacting a little bit to the presence of of away team fans uh, in our stadium because as a Tampa native, as someone who has lived here my entire life and as someone who has been going to Bucks games for almost 20 years, this is not a new issue. This is not something that just recently developed. I mean, yes, the city felt different and the fan base felt different with Tom Brady at quarterback. But any team, any franchise is going to feel different. It's going to be a lot easier for a casual soccer mom who has never watched football before to buy into the product that is on the field when you have Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady on your roster. And unfortunately, as reality sets back in for a lot of Bucks fans, a lot of those casual fans who have been filling up the stands, they go away. And while that is a crying shame, it is awful. And I think Bucks fans do need to do better of just staying energized and staying proud of their team throughout the season. You know, it's a city pride kind of thing, I heard someone say. But everybody lives in Florida. 
when is the last time? And I mean, like, Evan, you're not a Tampa native, so I can't exactly bring this up and use this as an example with you. But I, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I said, when's the last time you walked up to someone in Tampa and found out that the average person is a Tampa native? It doesn't happen. It does not happen. If I were to go outside my house right now, 85% of the people I talk to move to Florida at some point. Whether their family moved down here when they were young, whether they just moved from LA, New York, or Philadelphia a couple of years ago, doesn't matter. It is not the norm in Tampa to find people who have lived in Tampa their entire lives anymore. And it just hasn't been the norm for probably the last five or six years. And it is incredibly disappointing. But when you're a destination city and you are a melting pot city, that is what happens. You are more likely to go walk down the sidewalk in downtown Tampa and find a Giants or an Eagles fan than you are a diehard, lifelong Bucks fan. That's just how it is. That's just how it is, and that's how it'll always be. And it is unfortunate. It does bum me out and make me sad, but it is not a new issue. It is not something that is, you know, just popped up within the last couple of years. I mean, it has always been this way, and unfortunately... It'll continue to be this way unless, you know, Baker Mayfield and the Bucks pull a Belichick and Brady and win six Super Bowls. I just don't see that climate changing for Tampa Bay Buccaneers sports. Now, the Tampa Bay and, Lightning, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and, and hockey's more of a niche sport anyway. Yeah. You know, like hockey's not as broad. You know, you're not getting, you will get, you know, like Bruins fans or whatever, Penguins fans, Flyers fans, stuff like that. Like, like you'll get those, but. Like hockey and like Maple Leafs fans, like some of the big NHL teams, but like, yeah, like a lot of the time, yes, hockey, especially with how good the Lightning have been, like you're you're not running into that issue, um, yeah, but I do agree. It's you look at Raiders games in Vegas. Look at all this the Sunday night game. There was a ton of Steelers fans there that that that, that were that were in Vegas. Um, you know, you, you look at the all the 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 L A Rams. Yeah, whenever right? they play the Niners. <laughs> yeah, whenever they play, I mean, the Niners are basically local. <laughs> That's, That's almost the worst a home I've game. ever like, seen. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is just it's insane. So, um, it happens. It sucks. It's Florida, Florida, Vegas, California. Their destination city, like their destination cities, states, whatever. You know, you, you want to take the kids to Disney, and then it just so happens with you can catch a game, right? You're an Eagles fan, you can catch a game. It, that's how it goes. Like you take vacations to Florida, you take vacations to Vegas, you go to California. You know, you're not really coming up in, in November. You're not going to come up to Philly to go sit in 30 degree weather. You know, there's not going to be a bunch of groups. Uh, you know, that they're, they're going to sit there. So, yeah, it is unfortunate. Even with Tom Brady, like it was less like there were definitely less, but still People a, a still lot traveled. like, yeah, yes, yeah. like like still a lot. And and a lot of and some of them are travel. But you, you're right. Like a lot of people just moved to Florida, man. Like a lot of people just moved to Florida. You ask people how many people are you line up 10 people and ask them if they're from Florida. You might get only two or three that say they've been, they've lived in Florida their whole lives. Like, you know, it just, it comes with the territory, you know, unfortunately, and it, it, it sucks, but it's just something you got to kind of deal with. You can't, I don't understand. And especially by this point as of watching a, the bucks and stuff like that, especially when they were struggling, should almost be used to it. Like that shouldn't be a surprise to you to see so many opposing fans, especially when they're playing a team like the Eagles, the Bears, the Steelers, like when the Packers, like when you're playing those teams, like that shouldn't be, shouldn't come as a surprise. 
Yeah. I, I mean, as a Tampa native, the city of Tampa, it's my pride and joy. I've lived here my entire life. So not only have these snowbirds come down here and ruin my traffic and my price of living, but they're ruining my damn football games now, too. Oh, God. That's all. I'm off my soapbox, though. I just wanted to say that because it does get a little frustrating sometimes. But as we do a lot on this show, we, we, we try to temper everybody's expectations and uh, just try to keep it as realistic as possible with you guys. But with all of that being said, thank you so much for hanging out with us live tonight on YouTube. Thank you to our buddy Richard T. on the West Coast for not only chatting in live, but um, calling the show and talking to us here on the air. We always do appreciate you. And keep an eye out. Whenever you're watching us live on YouTube with video, you'll see the phone number on your screen with the meeting ID for that week. And uh, you are able to call in. What are you thinking, Evan? Yeah, real quick. Just want to address uh, in the chat. Daniel H. says, do you live in Tampa, Evan? I do not. Um, I actually live. I, I, I say I live in Philadelphia, um, but it's just easier. I live about technically I live about 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia, but it, it it's easier to just say I live. I live in Philadelphia. So, um, no, I do not live in Tampa. I've been to Tampa many times. And, you know, like I hope one day, like my goal is to live in Tampa. Um, my, so like, unfortunately, right, you're going to get one more. Uh, but, uh, you know, my goal is to live in Tampa. But no, currently I, I do not. I love Tampa. I will always love Tampa. It's always going to be my home. Will I live here the rest of my life? I don't know. That I don't know. Probably not, to be honest with you. I think it's one of those cities where I need to leave for a little while so I can come back and appreciate it a little bit more. But um, You need to come here. home. You need to like do like the whole like I'm coming home thing. Right, you know, yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely... On the next episode of the Real Estate Podcast, we'll be talking about... <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about... We'll be talking about this week's best prices in Kingsport, Tennessee. <laughs> Stay tuned as we can find a one-bedroom apartment for six fifty a month. Oh, all right. That's a bargain. <laughs> no, it is for it is for real. It is for real. Trust me. Uh, all right, folks. It has been fun. Thank you once again for everyone hanging out with us tonight. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know you've got your your usual articles coming out, but anything else this week people should be on the lookout for? Uh, no, not really. Out on Bucks Nation right now is, is the day after uh, the reactions, which is just me compiling some tweets and stuff that people have tweeted and, and stuff about the game coming out uh should be sometime this week we're going to be doing still doing the davy jones locker q a with the other uh team so it'll be the the saints one i believe that's canal street chronicles i, I think is the name of of the saints site so be on the look out for that as well awesome thank you to gene thomas brutal as bucks richard t Alyssa wanish daniel h g vegas the moderator holding it down bandwagoneer and uh, anybody else that we may have missed for hanging out in the live chat tonight, we appreciate your support. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And last but not least, find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I'll follow you back, and we can talk about the Bucks anytime. But that's the show. Thank you once again for listening, folks. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We will talk to you later this week for the week four game preview. Be on the lookout for that and more. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.